welcome to CAD Speaker Series podcast. This week, Mohamed Kamar, CAD Student Ambassador, is interviewing Miguel Angel Santos and Douglas Barrios, research fellows at the Center for International Development, who are working on a research initiative on Venezuela, which launched at the end of 2015. Miguel and Douglas just delivered a talk giving an overview of the research findings and trying to promote a better understanding of the causes, magnitudes, and possible remedies of the crisis in Venezuela. Thank you for coming. Thank you, Mohamed. Um, just for the interest of our viewers, uh, our listeners, to understand the situation, maybe you can just take us through the political and economic background. Why is Venezuela in its current state? Well, that's a, a, a very long answer that we will try to summarize as much as possible. Um, I think that what we have found uh, as of recently, and try to sum it up as much as possible, is that the recent uh, bonanza, oil bonanza, that the country benefited from was perhaps the longest and largest in our, in our history. And the use of that oil bonanza was not to create a diversification fund, was not to create a stabilization fund, was not to use this in order to try to promote long-term growth. But what we have found is that this uh, big bonanza was used to try to first uh, fuel uh, an, a major consumption boom, both on the private and public sector, uh, and to finance this consumption boom uh, without any counterpart in production. So basically what they have chosen to do is to overvalue their currency, to have cheap imports that were able to uh, be consumed massively. This created a wealth illusionary effect that created the perception of a major reduction in poverty, uh, whilst at the same time was running very, very large fiscal deficits. So the whole uh, economic, uh, quote-unquote, or poverty reduction miracle was grounded on being able to sell, uh, sell uh, staple goods and other goods at a ridiculously low price, financed through uh, exports and an increase of debt that created a, a perception of wealth. Uh, however, this everything was hinged on high pre- uh, levels of price of oil, and with the recent downturn, the failures of the economic model have started to show. And I think that would be the best way to summarize it shortly. That's right. So, yeah, I mean, countries where you have socialist experiments normally do not have elections <laughs> for long spells, or they have rigged elections. So Venezuela, thanks to a combination of the oil boom and a multiplication of its foreign debt because markets were super willing to, pay, to lend to Venezuela when Venezuela had money from oil, we could finance a consumption boom while destroying the domestic apparatus that it's typical to all socialist systems. But in the meantime, that was hitting and consumption could go up because you were financing that with the imported goods. So the people had the illusion that, you know, socialism was possible after all. We keep on consuming and the country is going well. And what was going on was we were destroying our means of production and we were becoming super dependent on imports. And when the oil price came down, basically the whole system fell like a domino. Okay. Does the Venezuelan economy solely depend on oil? Does it not have manufacturing industries? Does it not have uh, a private sector that can maybe buttress the, the effect of falling oil prices? We, we never, the Dutch disease should have been called the Venezuelan disease. <laughs> that is to say, we never had a large non-oil export sector. But for you to have an idea, when Chavez became president in 98, 
the non-oil exports were around $5 billion. Nowadays, they are 1500 to 1800 So we had very little, and we went from little to nothing. And nowadays, oil, it's 97 to 98% of Venezuelan exports, wow. meaning it's an oil-based economy where you get the oil money, you distribute it around, and you get a non-tradable economy with very, very little competitive manufacturing. Yeah. And the systematic, this same element of cheap imports to finance a cons uh, consumption boom is also at the heart of the systematic destruction of the tradable industries in Venezuela. Because in Venezuela, in order to further their uh, social program agenda or their social agenda, uh, they wanted to institute price controls to make sure that poor families gain access to staple goods. Uh, instead of directly subsidizing poor families, the mechanism that they chose was to establish price controls. So local producers have to sell their goods below production costs to meet those costs. And they face a disloyal competition from the government because the government says, oh, you cannot produce at that price, at this fair price, quote-unquote, then I will import at market price, subsidize the good, and sell it at this very discounted price on markets, and I'll take the loss. And by doing this systematically, not only was it destroying a, an enormous amount of wealth, but that was effectively pricing out uh, all local producers and destroying whatever productive capability existed in the system. So when now the government cannot keep doing this and cannot keep subsidizing products by subsidizing imports, and it looks to the productive economy and say, okay, now you take your part, you produce, the, he looks around and there's very little there. There. And what is there, it is still subject to a lot of stringent regulation that does not allow it to grow, at least in the very short term. Okay. Um, and then you also hear stories about um, medicines not being available at hospitals, long lines to get food and basic commodities, crime rates um, shooting up in the capital, and uh, militias controlling different parts of the city. Is the picture actually uh, such, or... Because you also hear about how information is very much controlled. During your research, did you find any other dimension of what is a truly sad situation? I mean, we went down there, and that basically means not, not, not as a researcher, as Venezuelans, we know that what you get abroad, even though it's an awful picture, it's just a fraction of the reality you get to see in Venezuela. It's a country that ran out of money, and has a huge debt and has chosen to keep on paying debt and therefore has very little money left to import food and medicines and it has lost, as because of what we were saying before, all its productive capacity. The crime issue is different. It's sort of an older issue that came up when Venezuela was in the wild bonanza. And I think it has its roots on the government arming groups paramilitary groups to have them support the government in the event of a coup and then eventually losing control of these groups that have become semi-autonomous, I would say, and control certain parts of the city. So crime goes totally unpunished, and that's what's behind the huge rise and the crime rate of the capital. The country, Caracas is a lot worse, but the country as a whole, it still has a rate that it's six or seven times what a normal country would have. And I, and I would consider that uh, when, when paint this picture of uh, a scarcity and, and medicines, I think that what you find when you 
talk to the people that live there and our families live there, our friends live there, is that people have found an, an incredible and completely uncomprehensible way to keep moving forward and to adapting to the circumstance. However, this has taken them to very extreme lengths. So, for instance, more recent uh, studies have shown that more and more people are depending on secondary markets to access of goods. And this means that they trade food or medicine among family members, among members of their social networks. It also means something tragic that had not been seen, at least since I'm alive, uh, that is the increased reliance on waste, on trying to access waste as a way to gain access to food. Uh, a recent study made by a, a consulting firm that is associated to the National Assembly tried to identify what were the main sources of food for Venezuelans. They asked people to uh, outline their top two sources of food. This included uh, government-sponsored programs, private supermarket, uh, open and public markets, this resale of foods, trades with friends, and access to waste. And sadly, uh, around 20% of people uh, said that one of their top two sources of food was waste. This is how you make an adjustment that only happens in Excel happen in real life, through human suffering and human tragedy. And those stories are not necessarily being told or understood fully outside, and they're not necessarily, the death of this crisis is not being comprehended. Because there are certain ways in which those that are a little bit better off can go away the controls and have a so-so sustained life in which before they spend 30% of their income in food and now they spend 90% of their income in food and they get by. But there are a lot that cannot make that happen. And I think that that's why more and more there have been growing calls for a humanitarian channel being open for Venezuela uh, in order to send humanitarian assistance with regards to medicine and food to help the poorest of the poor. And the interesting here, thing here, and that is a challenge for humanitarian organizations, is because here the disaster was not a natural disaster or a war. It was an economic disaster. And that is not usually the way these organizations are engaged. Okay, well, that's really sad. Um, especially that part. I don't think I've also heard that myself happening in countries such as Venezuela at this point. Um, it is said that um, understanding the problem is half the solution, but the other half is the solution itself. So at, at the end of your research, what did you find, or what did you, rather, what did you propose as steps towards helping Venezuela recover from its current state and assuming that people from the government could hear this and would um, hear your recommended um, steps forward, what would be the counterfactual if they do not take any steps to rectifying the situation in Venezuela? What would happen? So the, what would happen is a further deterioration of what is already happening. Like, I mean, food being more scarce and more expensive and we losing children at diseases that had been eradicated a while ago, hospitals running further out of medicines. It's just a further deterioration and hell for the Venezuelan people. The, the, they, as you say, they might be listening, though they, would, they don't believe in this because all the solutions you would think about have a common element is that it's yielding the control. Like if you have the control of prices, then you can choose whose industries you kill and whose industry survives. So they need to surrender that and liberate, liberalize prices. If you liberalize the exchange control, you stop choosing who are you going to give dollars, uh, the 10 domestic currency per dollar that they can sell in the black market at 1700 overnight, 
And that power, uh, surrendering that power, might erode some of your own political base. So when you have a government that has made an effort through throughout 18 years to grab a control on everything and closely supervise what they don't do by themselves, it's very hard for them to relinquish control, and it's very hard to think of a policy to approach a solution or even improve slightly the situation that wouldn't entail then surrendering the control of certain aspects of the economy, reprivatizing public companies so that they can work will mean probably creating a strong private sector, will take power away from them, making the economy or budget more transparent, stop printing money. All those things all imply surrendering control. And they just don't believe in that. They just don't believe in the role of prices as allocator of resources, and they don't believe in democracy. So whatever we come up with, and I think the recipe is fairly straightforward. I mean, you cannot expend um, on a permanent basis more than what you earn. So if you want to consume more, you'll have to produce more. If you want to produce more, you'll have to create a stable environment for private investment. Uh, probably you will not have money in the short term to buy the very basic things. You might want to have the IMF coming down to Venezuela, and you might consider restructuring debt. All these options are totally market-oriented, uh, control-free solutions that are totally out of the scope of the current government. Yeah, so to add to that, I would just say, I think, three things. The first thing is that it is very hard to say that this is an end of a research project because it, it is a continuous it has a continuous research agenda. And the reason for that is that the facts on the ground changed drastically in Venezuela from one year to the next, from one month to the next, from one week to the next. So findings that for us were rock solid in April are completely outdated in That's September. True. So it first is not necessarily that. And second, then that transitions into the, what we try to do is not necessarily have the specific policy recipe, but as Professor Hausmann sometimes outlines, is to have simulations like fight control simulations of what will happen once you have an opportunity to influence, what are the signals that you're looking for to the different types of policy solutions that you're able to implement. Because it is very possible that even though we have worked our very best to gain the best understanding possible of the diagnosis, when we get in there, things are hopefully a little bit better, but more likely much more worse. So what you need to do is to try to have a good solid grasp of what are the potential policy alternatives, what are the implement implications of each, how do they interact with each other, and then try to run these different uh, simulations that you have run in your head. And lastly, I would say that our proposals, general policy proposals, are not only market-oriented, but are people-oriented. If we have seen these policies implemented during the past 18 years, but more precisely during the past perhaps uh, 8 or 10 years, is that there have been elite corrupt elite oriented. So you have a gasoline subsidy that is massive that does not benefit the people, but that does benefit the very few that have access to this good at an uncontrolled uh, way and are able to sell it in, the, in, the, in another country. Or you have a very few that have access to a preferential exchange rate and then go sell it in the exchange market. Or you have a very few that have access to government contracts and very controls and then they choose maybe not to provide the service they were contracted to. So a lot of the policies uh, of the current administration have been in favor of elites and very limited groups, and the payment for that or the suffering for that is human suffering. And it's not only to say that if, in order to address these constraints, the market might help 
in many of these instances, but that those market solutions accompanied with well-thought-out social programs are people-oriented. So you're taking away resources from the very corrupt into trying to make the economy work again. And this does not necessarily mean in a paternalistic or domination fashion, but allowing people to develop and to aspire to something more than trying to survive and get, getting basic, mood, uh, basic food and medicines. The bottom line is to say that anything that helps in improving the economy problem will not help them to hold on to power and vice versa at this point. But I'd also assume that this is not sustainable even for the government before some sort of uh, exogenous shock occurs to affect uh, the government's place in the country. It has sustained, they have sustained power for much longer than I thought. And Venezuelans has, have endured much more trouble and pain than I thought was possible up to this point. So I've come to think that why not, why you cannot extend this further. There are countries that have, have come down to hell and stay there for a long while. So on sustainability, it's an idea that I have stopped believing it within the context of Venezuela, it's very hard to grasp. Yeah, so I would say that technically on, uh, technically on sustainability, you have seen cases that have been worked off. I think that even though it is not our objective here to have be make politically inclined uh, comments, uh, I think that there is a morality towards the situation that was happening in Venezuela. And as Venezuelans, it's absolutely immoral that people have to suffer, and and it should be addressed by whoever has the power to do it. This should stop. Yes, and um, personally, I hope that your country and your countrymen do find. Um, the light that would lead them out of this uh, terrible time. So thank you very much thank for you. answering my questions, and I wish your people and country the best. Thank you very much. If you want to learn more about CID and our events, please visit cid.harvard.edu.